You know, I wonder if a lot of us woke up this morning and looked outside and saw gray clouds and thought, oh, nuts. When in reality, we've got people around the world who are wishing for just gray clouds and not, not rain, not wind. Uh, our hearts this morning go out to the people in the Philippines who have uh, just been devastated by this, uh, by this typhoon. Uh, one of the biggest storms in history. If you haven't seen anything about it, um, last night I looked and there was, I think, 1,200 confirmed dead. This morning I looked and there was one mayor who was saying potentially up to 10,000 just in his city. So we don't know the, uh, we don't know, uh, the magnitude of, of what this will be, but we want to take a little time this morning just uh, in quiet and we want to pray for the, for, the, for the Philippines, we want to pray for the people there. We've got free Methodist churches there and there are other churches and, and people who don't know Christ. Um, so we want to pray for them. Uh, if, you are, if you are thinking, well, how can I help? How can I, can I give to somebody? Uh, the Bishop's Relief Fund do, uh, is collecting, and that money goes directly to aid over there, 100% of it. There's, there's no cut for anybody else. So if you want to give towards that, uh, you can go ahead and stick it in the offering boxes afterwards, and we'll make sure every penny of that gets to, uh, gets to the Philippines and the aid there. So let's spend just a minute or two uh, in, in quietness in our own hearts, and then I'll... Uh, I'll close this as we pray for uh, that country. Lord Jesus, we've spent this morning glorifying you. As that last song has said, we will glorify the the King of Kings. And we recognize this morning there there are people around the world, there are people in the Philippines who are choosing to glorify you. Uh, amidst the, uh, the tragedy that's gone on, amidst the, the, the terror that they're experiencing, amidst the, the loss that they are feeling. Uh, God, this morning our, our hearts beat as one uh, with that country. Uh, and we ask, Lord, that, that somehow in some way uh, you would reach down, uh, you would touch that country. Uh, God, you would touch the people who are affected by this storm. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would help those who have lost loved ones grieve and grieve well. And we ask, Lord, that you would, you would provide aid for that country quickly. Uh, Lord, may the, may the nations of the world rally around this small island. Uh, Lord, we, we want to we see uh, you lifted up and what a practical and tangible opportunity we have as a, as a Christian church to do that. So, Lord, be, be present there. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Not sure how many of you read Romans 12 to 15 this past week. Um, we had uh, suggested it as a suggested reading. So as you're turning there, I want to ask you a simple question. What is this? Anybody? Come on, I know there's music majors. I, I know there's musicians. Know- oh my goodness, most of you. Well done. Middle C indeed. I took lessons from my grandma while I was in second grade. And I'm about to wow you. 
Wowed? Yes? Wowed. Middle C, for those that don't know, it's the home note on the piano. It's the note you learn first. It's the note that helps guide piano players to find every other note. I mean, there's 88 keys here, and if you didn't know where middle C was, at least I would be lost. Now, we've been studying the book of Romans over the last seven or eight weeks, and, and the Apostle Paul has a middle C, something that he keeps coming back to over and over and over. His middle C is Romans chapter 1, the 16 and 17, and in there he writes, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. It's accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Do you hear Paul's middle C? Those two verses are the ones we've come back to. They've been our base note, our our home page. We've been looking at different themes in Romans recently, and we've always been asking, how do they fit with Romans 1, 16 and 17. So about four weeks back, we looked at the theme of sin and the, the chaos in people's lives. We looked at the fact that everybody sins. Now, on a piano, maybe sin would sound something like this. But we would come back to middle C. We've also looked at the theme of salvation, one of those basics that people learn early in their walk with Christ, how we're made right with God and how easy it is in, in Jesus Christ. It's, it's fundamental, it's basic. So if we were to say the theme of salvation on a piano, it may sound something basic, right? Always coming back to middle C. The week after that, we looked at the theme of sanctification and how choosing slavery to Christ ultimately leads to something beautiful, something being holy. And maybe for those who are musically inclined, you you may think of something classic. We come back to middle C. Last week, we looked at God's sovereignty. And him drawing all nations to himself. Jews, Gentiles, people of every tribe, every tongue. I grew up on a reservation, so forgive me, but this is the only song I really know that could be every tongue. The idea of Jew and Gentile to all nations being made right with God, it would have been hard for the Jews to swallow. See, they couldn't fathom sitting at the same table as a non-Jew, let alone worshiping Yahweh together with people of any nation, any tongue. But God has a plan. He's in charge. That was the theme last week. Now, this week, all along, I've been saying our theme is going to be service. And even up until Tuesday morning, I would have said, yeah, that's the case. And And as I read chapters 12 through 15, Monday and Tuesday morning, I kept thinking, oh, finally, 
We've been looking at some, some deep doctrines, some theological greatness, and, and finally something practical, something tangible, something fun. You know, maybe this week is going to sound like... We come back to middle C, right? Practical, tangible. On the surface, this is what Romans 12 through 15 looks like. But remember, each week we're coming back to Paul's middle C. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Now, Jew and Gentile, for this to work, there has to be some bending, some give and take, some submission. If the truth of Jew and Gentile right with God is played out to its natural conclusion, it ultimately should lead to a unity amongst believers. A group of people, differing backgrounds, historically differing religious practices, coming together to worship and praise God in right standing with God because of Jesus Christ. That's Paul's middle C. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 15, 5 through 7. I've asked Elena to read this. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, accepted you so that God will be given glory. Complete harmony. All of you. One voice, Paul says, accept each other. I think as we look at Romans 12 through 15 this morning, we're going to find that Paul's middle C is made a little bit fuller and maybe a little bit more like this. It hit itself naturally. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for our opportunity this morning to spend time in your word. I pray that you would guide us. I pray that you would direct us. I pray it would be your voice that we hear. I pray that you would teach us what you want us to hear this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a unified Jew and Gentile, together due to faith in Jesus Christ, giving glory to God. That's where Paul takes us in Romans 12 through 15. But how does he do it so subtly? I mean, if, if you read 12 to 15 this past week, you're kind of wondering, where, where is that in there? Well, I think Paul in that section lays out three groups of people that we must choose to take a back seat to. We must choose to submit to in order that unity would take place amongst believers. In order that God would be given glory and in order to see that Jesus would be the glue that binds it all together. Submitting for unity. Now, the first person Paul says we must submit to is God himself. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Giving your bodies as a living sacrifice, as worship, this verse paints the picture of us laying down on the altar as a sacrifice. As one theologian writes, he says the big difference is that whereas the sacrifice in the temple resulted in killing, 
the Christian's self-offering is actually all about coming alive with new life. Christianity begins in the glad self-offering or, or submitting of oneself to God, whose mercy has come all the way to meet us in our rebellion, our sin, and death. See, our submitting to God will lead to unity with him, which of course then leads to worship. So that's the first person, submit to God. Paul doesn't elaborate much more on that in 12 through 15, because I think he spends a lot of 1 through 11 saying that needs to take place. What Paul does transition us to is how we are to submit to others, starting off with others outside the faith, outside the church. He hits on this submitting to others in several different angles. First, he says, take a look in here, because that will affect others. Romans 12, 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul writes, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Now, why would Paul write this? Well, remember, this letter is to a church in Rome, where in this city there's all sorts of bad people doing all sorts of bad things. And it would have been easy for the Christian church to look outside themselves and think, huh, we're really, really good. But Paul says, don't do that. Get a realistic picture of yourself. Submit. Choose submission to them. Paul told the church in Philippi in the second half of 2 verse 3, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Now Paul expands on this idea of submitting to those outside the faith in verse 14 and following, still in chapter 12. Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And most scholars agree that Paul was talking about those outside the Christian church in those verses. And they agree the same in in chapter 13, verses 8 to 10. I'll just read verse 8. Paul writes, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. It takes serious submission, serious submitting to love your neighbor. It takes serious letting go of yourself to laugh with, cry with, pray for people who persecute you. But I believe Paul is telling us we must do this so that unity will happen. It's his middle C, so that Jew and Gentile will meet together. Now Paul is still talking about this unity and how we put aside ourself for the sake of those outside the faith as he begins chapter 13. This section is about submitting to authorities. It's about paying your taxes. Seems kind of random in in the stuff that we're talking about now, but believe it or not, this ties directly into the unity that Paul keeps coming back to. Just 13 verse 5, it says, So submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. All of 13, 1 through 7, Paul is saying, Don't do things that cause a stir. 
That makes it harder for you to be a witness. Pay your taxes. Submit to the government. Now, was Paul's government any worse than some of you think our government is today? Yes. Okay? We're looking at Emperor Nero in the time that Paul wrote this letter. Emperor Nero was in office. He was in charge. He was the guy who historically... They tell us that he dipped Christians in tar, tied them to poles, lit a match, and used them to light his evening parties. And yet Paul says, submit to the authorities. Pay your taxes. Don't be rebels. Modern-day bishop of the Church of England says, Paul is saying what he's saying. He's making the point as he did so that Christians who were already regarded as the scum of the earth in Rome at that time, so they wouldn't get an additional reputation of being troublemakers. He's saying no good will come to the cause of Christ by followers of Christ being regarded as crazy dissidents. Now, Paul was not saying roll over and cater to whatever the government says. You look at Acts chapter 23, and, and he does re- refute the government. That's another time, another story. In Acts 13, verse 1 to 7, why would Paul say something about submitting to the government, about paying your taxes? I think it's because he had the hope of returning to his middle sea, of all people coming to faith in Christ, even those in government, even those who are persecuting, even those viewed as outsiders. What was his hope and his goal? Romans 15, 5 and 7, and Elena's going to read it for us again. Listen to Paul's goal. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. We've looked at submitting to God first, and, and then we've looked at submitting to those outside the faith. I think it's fairly easy to wrap our minds around that, even our hearts around that, that we should maybe choose to be quiet sometimes in the hopes that maybe somebody will see Jesus in us. I don't think many of us would argue with that. But Paul goes on to say, you know what? There's another level of unity seeking that we, that we must pursue. And it's with another group that I think is even harder than submitting to God and submitting to those outside the church. Paul says we must also submit to those inside the church, to other believers. He says we must choose submission with other believers in order that unity would happen. Choose submission to other believers in order that unity would happen. Now, a few weeks back, we spent time looking at all of chapter 12 in, in Romans, and specifically we looked at Romans 12, 5 through 8, when Paul talks about the gifts that God had given the church. So I won't go into too much depth here, other than to say I think what Paul was saying is we need to recognize our place within the body and, and submit the gifts that we've been given to the body. Romans 12, 5, so it is with Christ's body, the church. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong together. Paul says, use the gifts that God has given you for the purpose of the church, for building up the people of God. Don't use them for your glory, for your credit. If you have your gift and you use it and you say, hey, look at what I've done, that's not good. Just do it for unity in the church without hope for praise for yourself. Paul continues addressing how we should act towards believers in chapter 
uh, 12, verse 9 and following. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Acting like this is not always easy, is it? Several years back, I got a knock on the door, and it was late, and I really didn't want to open the door. And I looked through the peephole, and I saw that it was somebody from church, and I really, really didn't want to open the door. Don't worry, it was not any of you guys. Yes, it was not any of you guys. Okay, ultimately, I did let that person in, and that person literally stayed all night long. But I didn't want to let the person in. And yet... I did. Genuinely loving people, honoring each other, helping out when there's a need, hospitality. These are things that take away from our time, your time, my time. And yet if we choose to submit to others in the church, utilizing those gifts and opportunities, unity will lead to praise. We're going to look at chapter 14, and I think all of chapter 14 continues this theme of submission with other believers so that unity will happen. If you read it this past week, you know it's all about what foods to eat and what days to worship on. Well, in the Roman church that this letter went to, we must remember that this was not one group of people that met in one building on one specific day. This was a whole group of different groups that met. And that each time they met, kind of like cell churches, they would bring their own unique flavor. So so there would have been Jewish Christian gatherings. And they would have had some of their roots that would would be evident in their gathering. They would have had Gentile Christian gatherings that also would have had some of their history and background in those gatherings. And and yet, whether they were Jewish Christian or, or Gentile Christian, they were all seeking to follow Christ. So I believe all of chapter 14 was really Paul's attempt to say... Get past your differences, church in Rome, and let's have a unity amongst believers. Romans 14, verse 10 says, So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. You look down just another couple of verses, verse 12 and 13, Paul writes, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble, stumble and fall. He talks a little bit more about food, what's wrong to eat, what's right to eat. And then verse 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. Verse 19, so let us aim for harmony in the church and try and build each other up. What seems like a chapter about just food and and specific holy days. Two things that would have kept the church in Rome from actually gathering together and worship is in reality a plea from Paul to come together. Get past your differences 
And let's worship together. Unity. We've looked almost at all of 12, 13, and 14. What seems to be on the surface a bunch of tangible, practical bits of advice of how to live, but when we dig a little bit deeper, I think these chapters are are really more about submitting for unity in the church, submitting to God, submitting to those outside the faith, and submitting to those inside the faith. I think when Paul does this, he's tying us all back into his middle sea, the church, the Jew. And Gentile, combined church, is led towards the ability to praise God together when we can submit for unity. Hear it one last time, Romans 15, 5 through 7. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. I want to finish by simply asking you, what, what song are you playing? What, what note exemplifies your life? Are there practices in your life that lead to unity amongst believers, even those with differences? Are there practices in your life that lead to a division? Have you been good at submitting to God, submitting to those outside the faith and submitting to those inside with the greater goal of the unity of believers worshiping God? Do you have a middle C? What does your life sound like to the watching world? You wake up in the morning and hear this. I hope my life exemplifies Paul's middle C. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's amazing how often we can get sidetracked by just the busyness of life, uh, by the things that would cause us to say one thing, do another thing. Uh, It's amazing, Lord, how often we can get sidetracked by the differences we may have with other people, whether they are believers or not. God, so often we want to stand our ground and say, you know, this is right. And in doing so, we we have the great possibility of, of... causing division instead of unity. I pray, Lord, that as followers of Jesus, you would help us know when to take a back seat for the greater good of the unity of believers and for the opportunity and the hope of those who don't know you to hear from the song of our life the fact that we want them to be part of this greater fellowship of believers. We ask you help us do that, Lord. And we know it will only be through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God's desire to see Jew and Gentile, all people, come to faith in him. That's what we want. May God bless you this week and protect you. May he smile upon you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen? Amen. And amen.